0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of His Film, Her Movie, the podcast that answers the question: To what lengths will one married couple go to to make the other watch some films that they love? I'm Jordan. I'm Lauren, and welcome to the show. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> We're here for another episode in our future classics season.
1: Yeah, yeah. And this time it's my choice. And it
0: is your choice. Yes. Um, I don't think really we have any housekeeping to get <clears throat> through, really.
1: Not, not particularly. No, no, no housekeeping. No,
0: so we might as well get right into the show. Um, So what is your choice this week?
1: So I'm very aware of the fact that we like very different films. Mm-hmm. And um, as people tend to know that Jordan picks clever films and fancy films. Mm. And that's how I always describe it. I always describe it as, Jordan gets me to watch like a three-hour Romanian film, I make him watch Mean Girls. Mean Girls is sadly too old for this genre, for this (laughs) series. So um, I picked the 2015 um, Pixar Inside Out.
0: Right, yes.
1: I did, yeah.
0: Pixar movie, which is fine I, yeah. I mean Pixar is
1: I kind of wanted to go down the thing I knew that you'd be picking like quite adult films and all this yeah. to me I wanted to pick a film that um, I feel like people would watch it now and then mm. if they then have kids in the future they'll be like oh we need to watch this Absolutely. film together like The Lion King yeah yeah like um, Toy Story is for our generation those sorts a of films a movie. future
0: kids classic a future
1: kids classic
0: which I completely get. I completely get. But before we get into Inside Out, yeah, what's been keeping you entertained since we last recorded?
1: Um, I have started watching Ghost Whisperer again. I say again. I tried Is that to get that Jennifer
0: into it? Love Hewitt.
1: Yeah. Okay. She has ghosts, and they come to her, and she makes and them whisper. pass up and they whisper their secrets. Um, so I tried to watch it once, and I really got into it. But I've tried again. It's like my well, I've just said, I've been to the gym tonight, and I watched it whilst I was on the stairmaster. And you know, like when you're ironing, that kind it's of...
0: just your normal procedural weekly. It, it's formulaic, but it's yeah. enjoyable.
1: Yeah, and I just yeah. thought, you know what? There's many, many seasons. Yeah. For me to get through, let's watch that. That that'll be fun. So I'm watching that. Yeah. Um. We also we need to finish this, but we started watching Cabaret.
0: We did start so watching the Cabaret. About We've got about
1: forty minutes left. To watch.
0: Yes, we'll talk about that next week.
1: Yes, when we finish it. So, so far, a, so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else? We have. Uh, we also been watching She Hulk. Yes, which I am thoroughly enjoying. I think it's so very far good.
0: so good. Two episodes in. Um, and yeah. I, I like the vibe of it all. I like the fact that Marvel does go down the comedy route, like comedy route. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm enjoying the colourfulness.
1: I'm also like we've sort of said before, I think I read it on like Reddit or something that um when people have sort of said, Oh, Marvel's too big and they do we need more indie films, going getting indie filmmakers to go more into the life of just the general person in the mm. Marvel universe. And whilst this isn't like an indie yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of thing, I can see that you can see there's more. The characters we've met so far have been a lot of them are just normal people just trying to get on with their lives. Yeah, yeah. And then something weird happens to their coworker or their building, and they just have to or their work, and they just have to deal with it. Um, like you see, like people in the courtroom and everything.
0: It's just like I, I what I kind of like is the last two Marvel things that we've watched. Well, no, no, no. I'm talking about TV shows. Our I TV enjoyed, shows, yeah. Ms. Love Marvel them. and She-Hulk, both female-led. Yeah. And it just opened up their audience to a new, exactly. To a, to a new demographic, and I, I, I like that. Even, and you easy I, I,
1: watching.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so okay. I I really enjoyed Ms. Marvel, and I'm enjoying She-Hulk. It's a complete new tone. Yes. For for the MCU, but
1: it gives me like PG Deadpool vibes. Yeah, okay. well, like her, you got, her sort you got, you of know, sassiness and the fourth wall breaking yeah, yeah. and everything. I still swear my favorite joke, and I don't, it's not, it's not a spoiler. It's when Bruce Banner goes, oh, I've forgiven him since that fight. I'm a completely new person. And she just looks at the camera as if she says, Yes, you're no longer Ed Norton. <laughs> but I, I like that little tongue in cheekness. Yeah. And I think that's fun because for people who know the story, we're getting like a little Easter egg. Yeah, yeah. People who don't know the story, they're like, Oh, that's weird. I wonder why they've done that. Yeah. And might inspire them to go watch maybe some of the lesser.
0: Absolutely. We films. watched something else together. A film. Yes,
1: we did. What's it called? It's the Roch, not Rochdale.
0: No, 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 no. We we, we saw we watched that, we actually watched a, a film together last week that you've been wanting to see for a long time.
1: Oh, we watched Jurassic Park. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't watch Jurassic Park. We watched Jumanji. <laughs> We're with a J. It's been a long day, all right.
0: Jumanji, welcome to the jungle.
1: Yes, the, the rock the, version. The
0: reboot with Rock and Kevin Hart, Jack Black, Karen Gillen, et al. Yeah. So what do you think about that?
1: Um, I'm pleased. I liked it because, oh, and you also meant, you forgot to mention a Jonas brother. Nick? I think it's Nick. Not too sure which Jonas Brother. I wasn't really that demographic from yeah. when it came out. I was a bit old. Yeah. Um, but I recognize it as a Jonas Brother. Um, I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it because it didn't try to be the first Jumanji.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I feel like with all these reboots and all these sorts of things happening, don't try and be the original. Take bits from the original um, and just. Just make something new. And I, I like that. I thought it was fun. Um, my favourite character was still... Oh, what's his name? Jack Black. Well, yeah. I, love, I know Jack Black. I love Jack Black. No, but not him. Kevin um, Hart. No, it was one of the main characters. Oh, right. Well, it was yeah. the guy playing the NPC.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Reese Darby.
1: Yeah, just because. <laughs> just To me, I was like, I can totally believe that you would be an NPC. <laughs> and I just, just, kind of, just kind of love his face. He's just got like such a calming face which to me goes yes the face that you're like settled on for this character you would just be an NPC 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 oh, I thought you said M no Ooh. N N, N. Yeah,
0: well that's it And like, I, I do like it's, this is the first time I think I've seen it since it came out like in the cinema
1: mm-hmm.
0: and yeah I do I like it it's got a script that doesn't shy away from making fun of itself and making yeah. fun of its cast. It's obviously a film that was written with a cast in, in mind. In mind. And he was going to be The Rock and Kevin Hart and how they could play against those stereotypes and for yes. fun, having Jack Black play. Uh,
1: Jack Black
0: Instagram
1: needs a goddamn Oscar for his role. <laughs> I fully believe that he was a teenage girl trapped in the body of a middle-aged man wanting about the place. Loved it. Um, love him on TikTok and Instagram. I find him really, really funny. Mm. And I, I want more Jack Black. Less tiger, more Jack, please.
0: There we are. There we are. But That's yeah, what we need. I, I like the action, yeah. It's a bit CG heavy at times.
1: Those manny rhinos are pretty really bad.
0: <laughs> but like, it's like the way they built in the idea of the video game, the levels and the lives. It's it sort of built stakes really well yeah. you got the rules you got what was happening in that straight line to the to the finish I, I,
1: yeah it's, it it's reminds good. me of like Blockbuster
0: the, old, filmmaking.
1: the old like Sega Mega Drive yeah, yeah. type games and 100%. that's what I liked so I, I I will now I'll watch I'll watch the next one
0: I'm trying to watch it. that one's called I think it's, The Next Level it's for The Next Level The Next Level yeah like, anything else you've been watching
1: Um, we watched that football thing
0: Welcome to Wrexham.
1: Wrexham, that's it, or Rochdale.
0: Which is the Disney Plus documentary about Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney buying Wrexham, AFC Wrexham. Yes. And this sort of documentary, it's about football, it's sport, but it's a personal look of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you've got the charisma of Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney and even some of the people who are around the club it was always going to be a winner for me, always.
1: See, I don't like football. Oh, yeah. I know nothing about football. Um, I like the little bits where I explained what football was. Yeah. It did then lead you to try and explain to me what the hell aggregate means.
0: Yeah, away goals.
1: You did not explain it as easy as that. <laughs> you did not. And it made me think of like a building material that might also mm-hmm. be called aggregate, something similar. Either way, I just thorned out. Um. But I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. You made me watch the Spurs documentary about the Spurs ground
0: yes. a little while
1: ago. I enjoyed that. You um, suggested we watch this. I basically just watched it with Ryan Reynolds. But I've enjoyed everything, even when he's not being on screen.
0: You, you, again, you get the stakes of it all. You get the, yeah. the real-life story of what they're trying to do, and you have that. The drama of it being reality TV.
1: I love the fact that they're giving people um, subtitles.
0: When they don't need them. They
1: really don't need them. <laughs> it's like this guy's talking and I'm like, he, I, got, I got every word of that. It was just a bit Like, yeah. Is that hard to understand? must be.
0: It M- must be for say, an American audience. But that was it. And they said new episodes coming out every week. I don't know how many there, re- there are of them. No. And I know how this finishes. And it...
1: Well, then don't tell me. No, I'm
0: not going to tell you because, well, because it happened in real life went right like, into last season. But anything else? I've got a few things. I
1: don't think. Um, I don't think so. I've been reading a lot. Again. Again. Yeah. Um, and watching YouTube.
0: Like everybody else on this planet watching YouTube. But yeah, so the first film I want to talk about was the new Netflix film from a few weeks back, and that is the Jamie Foxx, Dave Franco, L.A. Vampire Hunter movie, Day Shift.
1: Oh, now, see, I want to watch this, but I think I'll get scared.
0: No. Will
1: I be scared? It's not a horror film. On like on like a level of gruesome, like one being Buffy and like 10 being American horror, st- like where are we?
0: Um, somewhere in between. Okay. It's more action stuff than it is actually like horror. Sorry, yeah, this is the directorial debut of veteran stunt coordinator JJ Perry. Mm-hmm. And in this one we have Jamie Foxx, who is this blue-collar contractor, vampire hunter. He's divorced or separated from his partner, and they have this young daughter. The wife wants to move to Florida and take the girl with her because they can't afford to live in L.A. anymore. The school, school tuition is due and she needs braces. So Foxy's Bud Jablonski needs 10 grand in seven days so that his partner and daughter don't leave. And, well, in the opening scene, we see Bud kill a vampire, but what he doesn't know is that that, that vampire actually has connections to the most powerful vampire Family?
1: family. Vampire Mafia?
0: Yeah, let's say that.
1: Coven is a coven
0: of vampires. Uh, In LA, and the leader of that coven, family, mafia, whatever, wants revenge. So I put up a short review of this on my letterbox to where I said that someone in a few years' time is going to ask me if I've seen Day Shift, and I'm going to answer no. (laughs) I don't think I've seen it. And then they're going to add it. That it has Snoop Dogg dressed as a vampire hunter in a cowboy outfit. Oh, and I'm goodness. going to be like, oh, yeah, I saw that film and it was dull as dishwater. And it's like, it's not only that it's dull, it's a bit poorly written. And it's also as if, because this is J.J. J. Perry's first film, they've casted whoever was the biggest name that they could get for the role. And not really care if they were the right person for the part, um, especially in the case of the two leads, Fox and Franco are so hideously miscast for this film that it, it properly detaches you from the from from the movie. And Fox kind of makes up for it because he's got natural charisma, but the Dave Franco character, who's meant to be playing this. Nerdy, dweeby, what? bookworm, fact spitter. Like watching him try to get through some of his scenes is so awkward and painful at times.
1: Is he the one of the family as well? Or is no, it no. Jamie Fox
0: who's got the family. He's, he is Jamie Foxx's, um, Like,
1: like eyes on the ground. Well, he's no, like Ned.
0: He's he, he's a pencil pusher, but then has to go out with Jamie Foxx and kill some vamps.
1: Why is he the
0: pencil pusher? Because it is in the movie.
1: It just makes sense. It makes sense the in
0: the movie, yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Um. But then there's the action of it, and there you would think J.J. Perry would be in his element, because he's a stun coordinator by trade, but it just doesn't look good. There was obviously a choice to use as many contortionists as they could hire at the beginning of the film, and they fully commit to it. Like... <laughs> The body and weed positions, vibe in the action. It it wants to be bone crunching, but never really gets there because once you've seen it once and grimace and say, "Oh, that was a bit gnarly," when they then do it a hundred times, it just becomes a bit watered down and so like expected. Every, every
1: vampire is hyper flexible.
0: Yeah, and then when they get thrown against stuff or shot, they all fall in weird positions, which will be CGI anyhow. But they have like vamps, yeah, doing like weird like, body like, stuff.
1: Like, like when they fall, they just go mm, yeah on the floor.
0: It, it, it's not great. It's forgettable, and it really doesn't deserve any room in my brain because I'm sure what part of my memory seeing this movie is pushed out was made way more valuable than this. <laughs> And the next thing I want to talk about, and I would love to say that this was some sort of reaction to Day Shift, but it wasn't. I just had the urge to watch it over the last few weeks, and I'd finally taken the plunge. So I watched Catherine Bigelow's solo directorial debut, *Near Dark, from
1: 1987.
0: And is that this also is, about vampires? Yeah. Would I like that all? Um Yeah, so it's got a little bit of horror, but it's it's... It's starring Adrian Pazdar as a young farmer who gets bitten by a young drifter and begins to turn into a vampire and then reluctantly joins this small gang of nomadic vampires who travel around the American country. Okay. Um, okay. in <laughs> uh, like so, yeah, it's like, and in that group, you've got the late great Bill Paxton delivering, uh, beautifully unhinged performance with Severin and Lance Henriksen as their leader Jesse Hooker. And I have a bit of a history with Near Dark because I have a vivid imagination of recording it off the TV. I think maybe Channel 4 It um, sounds like it
1: would be on Channel 4 When
0: I was way too young for it and it haven't quite an effect on me because looking at it now, and it's it's not that extreme, but it obviously has this eerie threatening atmosphere to it and it was unlike any vampire story i'd heard or seen up until then um or ever since really because like the word vampire is never said in the film yeah <laughs> uh, they don't have fangs um or are affected by crosses like daylight daylight yes so like what what connects them to that any law is that they feed on blood, they burn in the sunlight, and they well, they aren't affected by gunshots, knife wounds, etc. etc. And I think what makes the near dark stand out from the rest is like originally, when Catherine Bigelow was trying to make her first solo film as a director, she was one she wanted to make a western <clears throat> but couldn't get funding for one, but horror was in vogue at the time and vampires were making a resurgence in pop culture of like Fright Night and things like that. Mm-hmm. So what they ended up doing is just making a neo-Western horror vampire film. Cool. And like also, it's not at all plot heavy. It's pretty aimless in in that way. We just follow this group of vampires around, surviving and killing. And I mean, it, it's not, a massively low budget film. I think it was made like for $5 million, which 1987 wasn't too bad for
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, an independent movie. But I think that it, it works for it, the fact that it's not going all out because it does, what, what it does so well is it utilizes what they have at their disposal. And that, that stark American landscape really adds to the Western feel and the isolation of it all. And like, it may sound silly, but it's like what they wanted to tell a story of what would being an actual vampire be like if it were real. Mm-hmm. And it would be miserable. I mean, they would be outsiders and hated. And, and like, yeah, it's, it's the connection. And also, given that like Bigelow doesn't lean into the more stereotypical vampire lore, at a first glance, they could be seen as addicts. Okay, yeah. And like what what's that saying about the time of the late eighties as well? Yeah. But it's got this great tangerine dream score as well. But what I've got to mention is there's there's one scene in particular that needs to needs a shout out, and that is one that's set in a bar. The group turn up there and just cause havoc. But it's it's done in a really disturbingly gleeful way from the group. Bill Paxson, like especially just treating these innocent people as playthings. It's got a Real menacing and unsettling and just gnarly vibe to it. Um, unlike and, and unlike Day Shift, it's memorable.
1: <laughs> Day Shift is memorable.
0: Next up, and I've got a couple because I've had quite a busy week. I rewatched for the first time since its release Margin Call. And this is actually another debut film from a writer director, J.C. Chando, which chronicles a. Uh, 24-hour period at an investment bank at the very beginning of the 2008 financial crisis. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, like the fact that JC Chandor had the confidence and the talent to take a subject that could be so dry and lifeless and confusing um, as the start of the financial crisis and make it into this pseudo-morality piece that at some points can feel like a bit of a thriller. It's nothing short but of, like, astounding. And I always link this film with the big short, the Adam McKay uh, version of the 2008 crash. And I do like that film a lot, but it uses comedy to dissect the more complicated aspects of the film. And also, and I think this is like an important part, but important is, it stays on the outside. So it's, it's people who are seeing things and reacting to them. But but whereas margin call is fully behind the walls and like, it's so easy to question a faceless organizations and morals, but when we're seeing the decisions being acted out in real time, I just find it a bit more engaging and, and effective. Okay. As you can see, yeah, this. St- you can see why like the script got heat, because for a first-time director to round up a cast, I mean, Zachary Quinto, Paul Bettany, Jeremy Irons, Demir Moore, Stanley Tucci, and Kevin Spacey. I mean, it's like a performance piece. It's practically, it, it, it's like theatre. It, it's contained within the walls of the invest, investment bank 95% of the time. And the big set piece in the film is, round a table in a meeting room. And I actually do think also that this is maybe one of the first Kevin Smith, sorry, Kevin Spacey performances that I've seen since we all found out that he was a terrible person. And trying to keep that aside, which I think you always have to say now before praising the talent of a problematic person, he is such a good actor.
1: That's why he
0: managed to get away with it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like supremely good, like one of the best of his generation good and not forgetting the people who he has wronged or anything like that. But it's kind of a shame that we can't enjoy his performances like we used to. Mm -hmm. It always is with this tinge of, oh, oh,
1: shit, bud.
0: Yeah, which... Again, no, not to say anything regarding the people he wronged, but it's just a shame. But, yeah, like watching him and Jeremy Irons go toe-to-toe is so enjoyable, especially when Irons is just on that right side of hammy and scene chewing <laughs> And it does well at all these workers. My final point, like, it does well of painting these workers as people doing jobs. Yes. In a tough situation, and... Absolutely, points the fingers to the CEOs and the executive level folk that only looked at the bottom line. Like it, it, Zachary Quinto was, was just like a normal worker, and he sort of finds out what's about to happen, mm-hmm. and he shows his boss, who then shows his boss, then shows his boss, and then it's like, for example, like Zachary Quinto because he is a, he gets promoted, right at the end of this. And basically because the CEO is saying, well, there'll be money to be made after all this and we need our best people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's, yeah, it it, it does look at the, the morality of that. And finally, finally, the last thing I want to talk <laughs> about, and I know I've been talking for ages, but I watched a film that nobody had... Probably spoken about in twenty years until Chris Rock made a joke at the Oscars, and it's Ridley Scott's G.I. Jane from nineteen
1: ninety-seven. Oh, I remember. Yeah, I came downstairs and you were watching that, and you were like, "You need to watch this."
0: Yeah, so it's starring Demi Amua who was who like as a bit of a publicity stunt. Her character is enrolled in the Navy SEAL program as a female senator, Mm -hmm. who is all talking about equal rights and women's rights and saying how. They should be able to do everything that, that, that men should do. So, yeah, you've got that. You've got Damien Moore getting put in through all the Navy SEAL program and dealing with the, the, the gender politics, the physical activities, the horrific conditions that she's put through. And G.I. Jane is a bit of a silent banger. Because not to lie, Like most of the enjoyment for me does come from the fact that Ridley Scott is basically making a Tony Scott film, which is great. But it's also a movie that I watch now and think, why does it not get more appreciation because I do believe it deserves it because some of the rhetoric going on in the film regarding gender and acceptance and some people's disdain for political correctness mm-hmm. can very much be seen in today's society, and I also think like given this is obviously this is on women and political correctness and things like that, but when you look at the LGBTQ plus society and yeah. political questions about that and that people get on their high horses as well. Why do I have to remember all to do this? I should just be able to. It really looks at that um, mm-hmm. and shines a light on that. But like, even with all the under the hood stuff like that, it's just wrapped up in it and tied in a glorious bow of, of Hollywood sheen that has the, the pacing and the action. And the characters to keep you engaged. I'd argue, Demi Moore has never been better. Okay, and she more than capably takes the weight of the film on her shoulders and runs with it. Beagle Mortensen is superb as the the drill sergeant. The only thing, and I th- and thankfully, this is is only a tiny, tiny bit of the film, is that it does have a few hypocritical moments because, given that. Its central conceit is about equality and and things like, well, gender equality. It does jump out of that and have a sexy sequence of Mua's character working out where she's sweaty and barely clothed.
1: It's the male gaze.
0: Exactly. But, yeah. but you know what I mean? You'd think they will be able to take themselves out of the film so much and thinking, actually, we're talking about this, but we're doing this. Where it doesn't really match up, and and then also there's also a shower scene, which for the life of me, I have no idea why this scene was in a shower, other than just to
1: get Demi more naked.
0: Yeah, and she just this is a, the film that she did right after Strip Is
1: there equal opportunity nudity in this? No, oh.
0: no, no, no. And like, it's not it's, it's not like those scenes aren't well directed. They look good and they're shot well, but. Just a slight alteration to them would have kept them a bit more in the right side of its own argument. Yeah. So there's that. But yeah, G.I. Jane is superb. And I think that's it for me.
1: I can wax lyrical about all the books I've been reading. But...
0: <laughs> we might as well get into Well, we'll have a small break. Yeah. And we'll come back and we'll talk about your pick, Inside Out.
1: Yes. Here we go. All right, open.
0: Hmm, this looks new. Think it's safe? What is it? Uh, Okay, uh... caution. There is a dangerous smell, people. Hold on, what is that? This is disgust. She basically
1: keeps Riley from being poisoned, physically and socially. That is not brightly colored or shaped like a dinosaur. Hold on, guys. It's broccoli! (laughs) Yucky. Well? I just saved our lives. Yeah. Yeah, You're welcome. Riley, if you don't eat your dinner,
0: you're not going to get any dessert. Wait. Did he just say we couldn't have dessert? That's anger. He cares very deeply about things being fair. So
1: that's how you want to play it, old man? No dessert? Oh, sure. We'll eat our dinner right after you eat this!
0: Riley, here comes an airplane. Oh. Airplane. We got an airplane, everybody.
1: So like we've said the this series is all about future classics and I picked a future child classic or mm-hmm. what I believe will be a future child classic. As we said it's the 2015 uh, film Inside Out directed by Pete Doctor. Now I'm sure everybody has seen Inside Out or at least heard about it but if you haven't it is A story of a little girl going through her life, but we see it from the position of her emotions. Um, So you have joy, happiness, uh, joy, sadness, disgust, fear, and anger. And those emotions make up who she is as a person. Mm. So you go through lots of different things um, with um, Riley, the little girl. And it's basically the happy things that she had with her family, moving house, how traumatic that is, and how she reacts to this. Now, I picked this film because from a child's perspective, it explains your emotions so well and so easy. Each emotion is like its own little person and they each have their own way of looking, way of reacting to things, um, and their own personalities. And the other thing that really stood out to me when you're watching this with a child is that they can relate to that mm. a lot easier. Um, you, the, the characters are, of course, the usual Pixar. They're very cute and they're very fun-looking. Um, but for me looking at it through the eyes of a child it's something that they're going to be able to understand easily um to see parts of themselves in riley the character um for me for like younger children mm. it would be uh, you see like a flashback of her as a baby and them trying to feed her broccoli and disgust comes up and she's like no we will not be eating broccoli broccoli is disgusting which Actually, if you're in um, Asian countries, it wasn't broccoli. It All was right. green peppers because broccoli is very popular. Oh, right. So okay. they changed it to like green peppers, but apparently kids just don't like any green food.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. But yeah, so to me, little things like that really made a big impact on me as an adult watching it Um, because you could see how it's relatable. For an adult watching it, yourself um I always find that watching this really gives me um the sense of um nostalgia Mm -hmm. you can see how Riley's life up to this point has been happy and smiles and everything else and as she's getting older more things are happening she's learning how to cope with the change um in her life and I think everybody can really sort of look back and maybe think about our childhood and like, oh, it was lovely and it did this and it did this. And you get to like that 11, 12 sort of age and you're like, okay, now I can't start to remi- remember. Oh, this is when I was really embarrassed to stand up and talk in class. Or mm. I was um, so annoyed with my parents, I wanted to run away or something like mm. that. So it brings the nostalgia the the adults. Um, the other thing for the adults is the cast. The cast of this film is so good. It has Amy Poehler, Mindy Kaling, Meg Ryan, Bill Hader, Richard Kind. It has Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like that guy just pops up in loads of random films. But even he's in it. Um, so it's bringing the voices that we have heard in other Pixar films. And for example, with Meg Ryan, she's been in other Disney princess films. Mm-hmm. It's bringing those voices that we've heard in our childhood into the next generation's yeah, yeah. childhood, which is something that I really like. You can share it with them. Um, the other thing I feel that would make this a classic is that it looks at things on so many levels. Um, it's not just the fact that Riley's dealing with things that are happening in her life, as you see to you see at the end, it's also the upcoming puberty and how that's going to affect her, and how that is going to end up changing her life and changing her emotions and how to deal with them it's um uh you see the the core memories that she's made so the memories that make up who she is. All being made from joy, nothing else, just joy. But when sadness starts to become a larger part of her personality, and those memories, those core memories are then changed, and it's being able to see things can be happy and sad at the Mm. same time, and that you can't just always be that, oh, everything's great, everything's happy. You have to be a little bit of each of your emotion.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I feel like i can go on this for quite a long time. <laughs> what did, What did you think? Because I remember you told me the story about when you first watched this film. This was not a good film for you to first watch, but no, honestly, well,
0: that was mostly to do with hangovers and colours and just being bright, but and happy, uh, uh, yeah, in cheery. <laughs> but there aren't many films like Inside Out, and I, and I even include other Pixar films in this. Films that work on such a level that I wholeheartedly and honestly think many adults could come out of it having learned a bit about themselves, and it's so obvious that they meticulously studied psychology in the writing oh, of God, this yeah. because, and that they just didn't think that we have this idea, but hey, it's it's a kids' film. We don't really have to do the work um it's 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 a story that is so universal so relatable to every single person that even pardon the point it's it's an absolute joy <laughs> and i love to have been in the meeting where the creative team pitches idea to the pixar chiefs because it's so ingenious like as a piece of colorful entertainment and as a piece of deeply poignant exploration filmmaking into what into what existence is in a nutshell and it's so impeccably written and made and and for me, and you still talk about reasons why this could be a future classic
1: mm-hmm.
0: it couldn't have been made twenty thirty forty years oh ago God, no. and i'm not even talking about the technical side of the film i'm talking about the animation i'm talking about the societal approach to emotions of those eras yeah, and how we're now in a place where emotions are for the most part accepted melted mental illness is seen with a great amount of importance and we're still in that understanding trying to understand phase of it but it is within the, the social consciousness
1: yeah it's understood a lot better than what it was before
0: yeah and it's it's a special, special film, and I cheated with this film. You cheated
1: a bit. with this film
0: because because I am so, like as I said, honestly fascinated by it as a concept and a bit of storytelling.
1: Okay.
0: I watched this YouTube video from a channel called Cinema Therapy.
1: Okay.
0: And it's basically where a therapist reacts to Inside Out, and it. it, it what it's actually telling us and it breaks it down and explains the theoretical concepts simply mm-hmm. that, that, that sort of run through the movie. And it's, I mean, it is, it's bloody excellent. And I could sit here and regurgitate everything that video highlighted and, and discuss, but you should just go and watch that video. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you, you can talk a little bit more now, but it's like, it's up there with Pixar's best. And yeah. it, it gets better every single time that you see it, it's so well-made, so well-written. And as I said, as a child, you can watch it and enjoy it for the the, the fun, silly characters and the colour and the visual display of what it is. Mm -hmm. But then it's one of those things where as you get older and with each watch after it, you're going to see so much more. And even as, as an adult watching it, the, the, the small nuances. Yeah. Like the fact that happy, sorry, not happy, joy, joy. is happiness. Mm-hmm. And how it's given that concept of she's overbearing. Yeah. And I she is like, so I don't powerful. Like her. And she's so sort of like power driven because she thinks everybody should be happy all the time. And because that's the only way to be happy and that's the only way to be functional and, mm-hmm. and how she treats sadness. Mm hmm. And it's brilliant. It's like, it's, it's, it's looking at it like the chemical reactions that we all have within our brain, but assigning personalities and characters around them. As I say it's, it's, it's an ingenious, ingenious idea.
1: Um, I, I love uh, sadness. I think is my favorite. Yep. The um, casting of oh,
0: Phyllis Smith. Brilliant. Is perfect. Perfectly encompasses the emotion. That passive and dripping with self-loathing—it's brilliant.
1: I just love the bit where she goes, "I'm just, I, I can't go any longer." she just lies in the floor. She's like, "Drag me," and I'm like, she, she, "Same."
0: She, she just hangs a foot out.
1: I'm like, "Same." I—I I, yeah, I have felt that. It is something that you recognise, and you just think, "Yeah, I understand that." Again, it's something that you get older. You're like, "I've been there."
0: Yeah,
1: I get that. Um. For me, the fact that sadness ends up having such a profound effect on Riley yeah. really showcases that she is going through all of these changes in her life um, and that Joy just just can't be the boss anymore. Mm. Um, I think it's quite interesting when you see, because you kind of see the, the inside of other people's heads. yeah, yeah. yeah. For me, I find it, and there's been things I've seen. There's been things written about this um, everywhere else. But for example, um, dad, all of his are him. Mm-hmm. And for mum, no, no, yeah, they, they are. They all look like him. They are all men. And they all have the same mustaches.
0: But they don't look like him. They look like they've got mustaches. They've all got, all got mustaches, but they all look like. Joy or...
1: Of... No, no, but, but they're modelled after oh, him. Oh, sorry,
0: sorry, yeah, yeah, And the
1: same with the mum. Yes. They're modelled after the mum.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Riley doesn't have that. She has a mixture and yes. then it's like, okay, is this meant to say one thing about Riley? Is this a case of if there was an Inside Out 2 uh, and she hits puberty, then they all start to change into actually what she is. Yeah, yeah. Because at the moment... What it your is,
0: personality
1: everyone's a very different personality, but to me when you're looking at it um and I will I'll just use a little bit of my psychology tree here. <laughs> yeah um it's like rage is very much like the id it's yeah. the one that you can't control so rage is anything that you want it to be so it's different from everything else. it doesn't listen to reason um it does whatever it wants to do, and that is why. Rage is different, whereas all the rest are girls, yeah. basically, or look like girls. Um I one of my favorite parts is such a stupid line, and I really like it. But um, imagination land. There's two yeah. things about imagination land. The first one is that it's being taken apart and destroyed, parts have being destroyed, and that's because Wiley doesn't need them anymore. Mm. She doesn't need the princess castle, she doesn't need all this girly stuff. Um what she does need, however, is an imaginary boyfriend. Apparently, yeah, yeah. And I love the fact that he just looks like a boy band character, and he's like, "I'm from Canada," and I'm like, "That is brilliant. Love that because it's just such a nod to like the like you see the." The '80s and '90s, like stupid cartoons and films of like what you watch. Like, oh, you won't know my, you won't know my boyfriend. Um, I met him at summer camp. Yeah, and he lives in Canada. That type of ridiculous lie. Um, but I just found that Inside Out is so great at showcasing how people change. Like, you grow up and some things just aren't as important anymore. It showcases how important it is to have a healthy balance of all of the emotions. Yeah, because without them, you're not a fully developed person. Um. It also touches on the subconscious and that is where all the, as they call them, the troublemakers mm-hmm. are locked away. Which says to me, that is why we have therapy to then unlock those yeah. doors and get them out. Um, really, my main thing from this was, uh, it was my choice as a future classic. Simply because it does what all great Pixar films does. It, it teaches something in a way that is going to make sense to everybody no matter your age or your gender, you are going to find something about this film and be like, okay, yeah, I kind of get that. I relate to that. Mm. Showcasing all the emotions as, as characters allows children to understand them in a much more complex way. It helps to explain how your memories are what makes you as a person and what shapes you. Um, but it also explains that when you get older, you change, and whilst that change is scary, it's something that has to happen. Whilst Joy, especially in Riley's case, was uppowered powered her as a kid, you need to have all of your emotions working together to actually be an adult mm. and be able to think rationally and make good decisions. And um, this is really, really illustrated well within the parents. They, whereas in Riley's head, all the emotions are running around and they're pressing buttons and doing whatever, the um, adults, have one main emotion that is the lead, and they all sit on. I feel like it looks like a little presenter's yeah. desk, and you can see that the desk does get bigger. Yes, with Riley. So she starts out with just joy, then she gets sadness, and then she gets anger, and then she gets disgust, and all these extra buttons. So by the time you're an adult, it's a full long table that yeah. everybody can sit at. But there is always a lead. And so in the mum, that is sadness, which then makes you think, isn't the mum maybe prone to depression because sadness is leading? And in the dad, it's anger. And then you kind of see that when he reacts and Riley's being naughty, he's like, go to your room. He doesn't He doesn't do anything else.
0: Yeah, and that's like, when you've got them all working and the, sorry. I
1: was, yeah, I was going to say, but like because they all sit equally on like that, that council of emotions, they all have equal say and they all make the decisions together. In Riley, it's just Joy basically overriding everybody, and she's not making the best decisions. Being a child is being overrun, is being run by one emotion, whereas being an adult is taking into account all of the emotions and then deciding. And I feel like this is a really good way of explaining that to a kid. You're going through these changes, but this is what is going to end up happening to you and it's nothing to be scared of. Sorry, Nathan.
0: No, that's what I was going to say is the fact that when you're an adult, the desk of buttons, if you will, and everybody's sitting at it and they've all got their own little piece of the desk. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Whereas in Riley's, it's only big enough for one emotion at a time, and that's what runs that personality at the time. Yeah. So therefore, it's constantly shifting in, in emotions. But and like, but as we start off the film, and and, and joy is ruling things, and it's fucked up. Like that thirty
1: seconds when she's a baby, she's like yeah. the only person there. She's like, it's amazing, and then sadness rocks it,
0: it, It's good to teach that if it's all happiness, there is no growth. Yes. Um, There's no development uh, of other aspects of, of a personality and how people learn to deal with different situations. And it's, I mean, as the scene goes, this for me is the absolute visual storytelling explanation of it's okay not to be okay. Yes. And it's all a part of you. And so in this, in this, in this Cinema Therapy video, the guy talks about memories and he talks about how his mother's dead mm-hmm. now and that every single memory of her would is now tinged with a little bit of blue. but
1: Like bittersweet.
0: But, but it's just because she has, yeah, it, it's, it's sort of what it makes it beautiful. It's like, you have these great memories because that's what they are and they're joyful. But Also, the fact that within that memory, he knows that she's dead and there's not going to be any more new memories. memories. And that visual representation at the end of the film
1: Mm -hmm.
0: of the balls having different Mm colours is perfectly explainable to a child. Oh,
1: God, yeah.
0: And it's like, oh, it's okay because it's...
1: you can explain it as if it, you can go, oh, well, you were really happy on your birthday and you had a wonderful party. And they'd be like, yeah, but, but you can be sad that the party's over. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And also, it's when sadness and joy get sort of just sucked up out of headquarters and they're currently in the different mm-hmm. things. She doesn't feel anything. Yeah. And she is depressed because... The ruling, the two ruling, most ruling emotions yeah. aren't there to run things. And she's only got the
1: negative. And ones. she's only
0: got yeah, the negative, the fear, disgust, and anger. anger. it 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 just picks out just giving themselves a big pat on the back because think of all these different things, it how mm-hmm. perfectly it's put together, and how perfectly it's explainable and analytical.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: The, honestly, as I said, as I, literally my first thing I said is there's not films like Inside Out and there isn't because no. how it can do everything that it does. And also in a one-hour 40-something movie, okay, that's about – and also, and also, final thought, Bing Bong. Bing Bong. One of the saddest Pixar deaths because
1: Just it's, away.
0: it's not really a death. It's somebody cho- choosing to be forgotten.
1: Yeah, how sad is that? Yeah, it's sadder. I don't feel like I ever had a imaginary friend.
0: I, I, I can't. I, I mean, I, I can't remember if you I did chose to not.
1: forgot them. But,
0: but that's the thing: is it's a character, a character choosing to forget them because everybody talks about Up, and don't be wrong. The first ten minutes of Up are heartbreaking. Oh, God, yeah. But some adult
1: themes, you know.
0: That's different than a character choosing to be completely forgotten. Yeah. It, it, it's. We're, I think we're on a roll with these food future classics because for me we're, we're five for five for five star bangers. So we're for four, four for four for five star bangers.
1: Just you wait, I'll derail this train.
0: <laughs> but no, Inside Out is as near a perfect kids film that you can actually ask for.
1: Thank you. I'm going to take full Pixar credit. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm pleased. I'm pleased that I got you that you rewatched it and that you enjoyed it
0: yeah i mean i, I think this is my fourth time of seeing it now
1: i know but like, yeah
0: but it's you yeah, say it gets better it gets better on every single rewatch
1: i also love and this is totally this isn't like film based but um you have all the characters people dress up as the characters when you go to like the disney parks but not as people it's like they're dressed up in like the full fake head right everything like costumes um which i love so you see and they're massive they're really tall <laughs> but i just love that whole like think kids can go and meet them as well <laughs> i love it yeah anything like pixar and it's it's always going to be it's it's always going to be a good enjoyable ride i can't really think of a pixar film that we've watched And we haven't gone, do you know what? I like that. We may not have loved it, but we've enjoyed it.
0: There's there's, there's top-level Pixar, and there's sometimes a Pixar... There's pay-the-bills Pixar. There's Cars.
1: Don't you knock Cars?
0: But then you have top-level Pixar, which is... Cars (laughs) 2. Which is your inside out. And to be honest, even though this does a hell of a lot more regarding like the the under-the-hood stuff, I think any Pixar... But like my favourite Pixar is still probably Ratatouille.
1: I still don't like it you're saying that Cars oh, is like lower level Pixar. One, lower level it's,
0: Pixar. It's, just it's,
1: a- it's great. Do you not get the whole like, the, he's like McQueen's having a full existential crisis and he has to come overcome like his own personal issues and um, his uh, like dislike of certain types of people and all, all kinds of things. And it has Owen Wilson just going "Wow" for like ninety <laughs> minutes. Ninety minutes of just him going "Chow" and well, "Wow," yeah. and that's it. And then why? Why do you not like this? I'm going to make you watch it.
0: Okay. <laughs> I know. I just, I just, think it's lower, lower tier. I think there's there's, there's better Pixar movies out there. Um, but yeah, I think that's. Have you got anything else you want want to add?
1: We're getting divorced. Like, <laughs> I'm so. I just found this out How about you. You got Cars as lower tier. You got
0: Cars two, and you got Cars three. I know you got four Toy Stories, but like the Toy Story... talking about
1: the rest of the Cars, but Cars one hmm. is a good film. No, it's a good film. It's a good. It's not lower level.
0: But the thing is, good is lower level for Pixar because you've got some of them that actually exist on, like, of whatever year they were released. Like one of the the best. Yeah. And it went through that. I mean, you think about like Coco.
1: Coco's beautiful.
0: You think about you think about Open. You think about Wall E. Mm
1: Hmm.
0: Toy Story Three.
1: Hmm.
0: It's those get into your your proper deep level stuff. Do you know
1: what? Sometimes we'd like to go watch a kids' film and not need therapy after it, Jordan. No,
0: I want therapy. (laughs)
1: <laughs> if you have a kid has got PTSD from the, the films it seemed like my dad made me watch these films when i was little and now i need therapy
0: not to be secret and nim oh my
1: god no <laughs> no Watership ship down
0: Watership ship down <laughs> and yeah.
1: the iron giant that's the thing, that's
0: one of my favorite things but wash up down so the of the, the, the for tv version was like uh but, but when it was released in the Adults coming back to me 20 years later <laughs> watching it. It's like the full blood, like, what the hell? Is it, was
1: it or not? Is it myxomatosis, the thing that all the rabbits get?
0: Oh, I can't remember. I can't it's like remember. a
1: disease, and I'm sure it's something called like, myxomatosis, and then they all just die, and then it's just like, oh, this is not happening. <sighs>
0: oh, but no, well, I'm just yawning, so I guess that's probably <laughs> is. <laughs>
1: that's <tired for> a <laughs> <laughs> to go. Jordan's tired. <laughs>
0: But I haven't picked pick my final choice yet.
1: No, you said you you're torn between a couple. Yeah, so are so, we going to keep it a
0: secret? Or? Well, keep it a secret because I I don't really I've have an idea. My final. You've picked your final film, but other than that, I think that's probably going to be it for this week. Yes. Um, that is goodbye for me,
1: and goodbye for me.
0: That is a quick, low-energy ending. But hey, we'll, we'll 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 leave it there.
1: We'll go get some therapy.
0: Bye bye now.